Are the Detroit Pistons finally playing to win games? We'll talk about what I mean by that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Later on in the podcast, we'll talk about who's going to remain after this season. This is the second half of the season. Who's competing for their job on the roster? Heck, some people may be competing for their job in the NBA in general. Uh, we'll talk about who sh- should Pistons fans expect to be on the team next season after the trade deadline. The players who are on this team after the trades, who could be on the team next year? I also want to talk about my favorite Chauncey Billups memory as he was not, or, or officially in the finalist for the Hall of Fame on um, this upcoming season so um, or this upcoming ballot. So I want to talk about my favorite Chauncey Billups memories. Um, but first, I want to talk about uh, are the Pistons finally playing to win? And I, I'm obviously being a little sarcastic with that. Um, the reason why I asked that question is because Monty Williams came out with a quote today. Uh, I've been recording this on the 21st. And he came out with a quote today after being asked a question by Amari Sankofa about how the team will play down the stretch versus, you know, playing young guys or, you know, with the team being new and all that stuff. Monty said, quote, I'm not going to be throwing certain combination on the floor just to see how they look. We're done with that. We'll be competing. And then he says, um, I'm trying to win every game we can. We can evaluate as we try to win games. I've stressed the guys. We want to be a team that runs through the tape. Um, he goes on, I want to read the full quote here um, so everyone understands exactly what um, he said. So there's no way to misconstrue what he said. He said, quote, we'll see. I'm not going to give all that away to you guys so you guys can tweet it, but we'll see how it goes. As I told you guys today, as I told the guys today, we've got a lot of guys who can play basketball are trying to continue their careers financially. The guys who produce and compete the way that we want them to are going to play. That's something that I think I've done for the most part of this year. We try to develop guys, but we try to develop them while competing. The number of guys that we have on our team, a lot of them are still young and trying to find their way. It creates healthy competition, which I think is pretty good for your gym. So just hearing hearing Monty speak on that um, in his quotes there, my immediate takeaways are, I don't know exactly what he's talking about. Because I, I don't really know what he's, what he's referring to, that he's not going to be just throwing certain combinations on the floor as if he was, I mean, is he saying that he's going to cut the rotation down? Is he saying that he's not going to be playing as many guys because just to throw people onto the floor? Because we've heard him say that probably like four or five times on the season and it still happens. So I, if that's what he's saying, I, I would take it with a grain of salt. Um, I also don't know if I buy the idea that, that they weren't trying to win before. I, I I don't really buy that. Like, and obviously they're trying to win games, like not literally, but I don't buy the idea that they were willing to sacrifice some wins to get certain guys on the floor. 
I, I don't buy that either because we were told in the offseason, we were told in the offseason by Monty and Troy Weaver that this upcoming year was the year that they would be done with that. In the offseason, they said, hey, we're not, we're done just playing guys. We're done just giving guys minutes because they're young. We're trying to win this year. That's what we were told before the year. And then obviously this year happened. So I don't really buy that, that this wasn't already the case, already was supposed to be the case um, before this moment. The other thing that Monty says I, I find pretty interesting um, is that he says we tried to develop guys, but we tried to develop them while we compete. Um, the, the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. I don't think they've competed at really any point of the season, to be honest. I mean, over last 10 games, they've looked better. But, like, overall, I don't think so. So I think that's just a – I get what he's saying. I just think it's a funny – funny. you know, it, it's pretty funny to see. Um, and then the other thing he said, which I I also chuckled a little bit at, um, is him saying, quote, the guys who produce and compete the way we want them to are going to play. That's something I think I've done for the most part of this year. I I just I just don't know if that's true either. Because Jane Ivey, I think, even when he was playing little minutes, was playing well enough in those minutes to be getting more minutes than he was. Um, I think a guy like Mike Muscalas, who once he joined the team, how good the team has been with him on the floor – He's been basically out the rotation the last few games. Like he's been scrapping for minutes. Um, guys like Isaiah Livers continue to get minutes. Guys like Achillean Hayes continue to get minutes. Um, even James Wiseman over the last few games continues to get minutes at points. Um, instead of just going with the small ball five with Muscala at the five. Like, so I don't know if I agree with that. And the la- and really like what I started this off with, I'm just not sure like what he exactly means by this. I'm not going to be throwing certain combinations on the floor just to see how they look. I, I mean, I, I guess I, if he's going for the, we're going to try to win this year, we're going to be putting the best five guys on the floor. That kind of worries me to the point of like, okay, are you saying that you're going to play Evan Fournier? Like, are you saying you're going to play these some of the older guys? And the Pistons don't really have that many older guys. But if, are you talking about like playing Shake Milton or like Evan Fournier a lot of minutes? Like, is that what is being referred to? Um is he saying that he's not going to play the core four together because they are not perfect together yet? Is that what he's saying? Because I know that's something that a lot of us, including myself, believe the Pistons need to be seeing for the rest of the year, even if it doesn't result in wins. If it if it comes at the cost of losses, I mean that. It I mean at this point in the season, it is what it is. You need to get that sample size. So is he referring to that? Is he saying he's not going to just throw those guys on the floor just because everyone wants to see them play or? Everyone wants to see the core four, you know, play together on the floor, even if it's not going to be the best lineup possible. Like, is that what he's saying? Like, I, I don't really know exactly what to take from Monty's quote here, what he means by this. So outside of the fact that he's trying to say that they're going to try to win games and go and have momentum for the end of the year, which we've talked about on the podcast over the last few days, obviously this team has to win some games. This team, I said, needs to play close to 500 basketball for me to feel comfortable about Monty having his job moving into the next year or moving into the next season, I should say. After this trade deadline, something he did say that was correct is that they do have a lot of NBA players on their team now, something they just didn't have before these trades. So now, again, like I've said many times, Monty is no longer in the position to just say, I have, I was dealt a bad hand. He doesn't have that bad of a hand now. He has NBA players. He has guys that fit. He has guys that do what they need them to do. So it's on him now to find those right combinations that he was speaking to. It's on him to play the right guys, the right amount of minutes, and to get some wins. The Pistons should not be one of the worst teams in the NBA the rest of the season. So when he says that, yeah, we need to head into the offseason with some momentum, we need to win some games, 
he's 100% correct. Not only for the reason for the team to have momentum going into the offseason, but I think to really secure your job moving into next year. Like, they need to prove that now that they have, I think, an NBA team put together, that they can now win some games. And if they don't, then I think it falls back on Monty at that point. But the whole idea of the – the we're not just going to be throwing random lineups. I, I'm I'm interested to see now tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers what lineups we see that are different from before. Because that, that suggests that before he was running different lineups that maybe he's, that he's not going to run now. So now I'm going to be watching for, okay, what lineups are we going to see on the floor that we just weren't seeing before? Like, or what lineups are we just going to get cut off from? I'm, I'm now, he, if he doesn't actually do this stuff, like he, the same thing with like his rotations. Like when he says that over the year, when he says we're going to cut down the rotation, then they don't. I want to know, is this going to be one, another one of those things? Or are we actually going to see some different lineups and, and, and you know, different things happen? So I'm going to be watching for it. Um, let me know what you guys think. What does Monty mean by that? What do you guys think he means by this? And what are you looking forward to seeing with these lineup combinations for the rest of the year from Monty? Let me, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Um, who will remain after this season? After the second half of this season, who should the Pistons want to keep on this roster? We'll talk about that. When we come back, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier for you. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring because of all these reasons. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free to available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So I think this is going to be a little bit of an interesting conversation. Um, I don't think I see many Pistons fans um, talk about too much. Um, and I don't mean when I say they don't talk about, you know, when you just look at the, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see this, the segments called Who Who Will Remain? Everyone talks about, oh, who's going to go? Who do we need to keep? You know, people got to leave, like that kind of stuff. But I think there's another element to the conversation that I don't think really gets brought up a lot. And it's kind of just like a sad truth in the NBA that I, I don't feel like fans really want to, not a lot of fans want to, tr- want to have that conversation. And you'll see what I mean as we keep going. So basically in this in this segment, I want to talk about who is going to be, who should be on the team after this season, who should be on this team after the second half of the uh, of the season, after the trade deadline, who can comp- perform for a roster spot on next season's team? So, obviously, you have the locks, I think, at this point. You have Cade, Duran, 
Ivy and Asar. I think those guys are absolutely locks. From here, though, this is where I want to take the conversation. There are a few other guys I, I would expect to be on the team next year, like an Isaiah Stewart, obviously. I think I, I'd expect Isaiah Stewart to be on the team next year. Um, I'd expect Simone Fontecchio to be on the team next year. I'd expect, uh, uh, not Evan Fournier, but Quinn Grimes to be on the team next year. That's about, what is that? That's, that's seven players, right? Just named Cade, Duran, Ivy, Asar, Stu, Grimes, and Fontecchio. Those are the seven guys I would expect to be on the team next year. However, I would not, at least this is how the Pistons front office should be looking at this. The, there's only four guys that should be locked to come back next year. Now, there, there should be guys that, like, are, like we mentioned, those other guys I mentioned, should be like likely to come back. Like You may want them to come back, but they shouldn't be locks to come back because the Pistons have are going to have a lot of cap space. They're going to have a ton of cap space to go after players in free agency. They're going to have a lot of cap space to make trades. They're going to have a lot of cap space to do all to have the flexibility to do all kinds of different moves. And when you have a season like you just witnessed or that we're witnessing with the Detroit Pistons this year, where they may not finish as the worst team in the NBA, you at least hope now that they made these trades. Maybe they catch up with the Wizards and stuff. Um, but they're almost certainly going to finish as a bomb three team again. Um, after a season like this, going into what will be like what year five of the rebuild. You should be trying to get upgrades. You should be trying to get good players at just about every spot. And I, I was listening to, I, I forget what podcast I was listening to. I don't know if it was Zach Lowe's podcast. I don't know if it was JJ Reddick's podcast, but I was listening. I was listening to someone talk about this and they were talking about how, you know, some of the, some, some like tough decisions that rebuilding teams, that young teams have to make when they, they're trying to make the next step. And one of the things they brought up is that, like, for example, we'll use, we'll, obviously, since we're talking about the Pistons, we'll use the Pistons players as like examples. Like, is Isaiah Stewart a bad player? No. Is Simone Fontecchio a bad player? No. Is Quinn Grimes a bad player? No. These guys aren't bad players. And if you bring them back, I think they, again, I think they want to bring them back. And they, I think they'd be fine bringing them back, 100%. I'm, I'm not sitting here advocating that they shouldn't. Like, I'd be completely cool bringing all three of those guys back. I think they, they fit with what the Pistons are trying to do. I get it. But one of the things they talked about, I, I really wish I remembered what podcast I was listening to. But one of the things they talked about is that when you're making, when you're trying to transition to that next phase as a rebuilding team, you got you got to move on from some players, and you you need to face the fact that hey, this guy may be a good role player, this guy may be like a fine role player for this team, but if you want to make the next step, you need to get a better role player. Like just because you have a fine role player that you already have on the team. Doesn't mean you should just be bringing back a fine role player. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be looking to upgrade. The Pistons should be looking to upgrade every single person's spot on this roster. So if they bring back Fontecchio because they think he's the best option, okay, so be it. If they like that's completely fine. Fontecchio is a fine player. If they bring back Grimes because they think he's the best, uh, the the best person for the spot or or for the contract, etc. This offseason, okay, fine. Grimes is a fine player. Like the same thing with Stu. If they want to bring back Stu, and Stu's not a free agent or anything, but I mean, so I, that's why I think Stu's more closer to a lock. But, like, if they wanted to move off of Stu, I know there's been many teams that have shown interest in Isaiah Stewart. Like, if they were to move on from Stu, or didn't want to move on from Stu, that's what I meant, and bring him back, yeah, fine. He fits what they were trying to do, like, all that stuff. He's a fine player. 
But at this point in the rebuild, they should be actively looking to upgrade from each one of them. And that like that that's and I I I don't think I even looked at it. I think we've mentioned it maybe a little bit, but really haven't dove too far into that. But after listening to to that podcast and listening to them talk about it, and if you know what podcast I'm talking to, if you listen to the same one, I'm sure we probably have. Um, it's let me know in the comments because I'm really blanking on who it was. But listening to them talk about it, it, it really put it in perspective. Like, yeah, I, the Pistons need to be like, and it's not just the Pistons, like rebuilding teams across. And I think you see that with rebuilding teams all over the place. But like at this point, you can't be content with just these players because they're fine role players. Like if the Pistons could go get, like, wh- what do we think like Fontecchio is? Like top, I don't know. I, 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 I may be way off with this, but it's just, I'm just going to throw a random number out there. Like, if Fontecchio is a top 200 player, if you have the possibility to go get a top 150 player, get him and replace Fontecchio. If, if you think Grimes is a top 200 player, if you can get a top 175 player and upgrade just that little bit, you go do that. You need to be looking to upgrade your roster at every point of, uh, like in every roster spot. The only four guys who are, you're probably not at all looking to like just completely upgrade over Arcade, Ivy, Duran, and Asar. Everyone else, if you have the ability or have the chance to upgrade from their spot and move on from them, you should 100% be doing it. So that's why when I ask now this segment, who will remain? I don't know. I don't know. I think the only four guys you can bet on is Cade, Ivy, uh, Duran, and, and Asar. And I think maybe you can put Stu in that because he's under contract and they love him. But even with him, I, like if you can, like what do people think Stu is? Like probably like 100, top 150 player? Like if let's say if you have Stu in the top 150, if you can go move on from Stu to get a top 100 player, you go do that. If you can go get a top 110 player, you go do that. Like you, if you get what I'm saying, like that's where the Pistons are at in this point. And the podcast I was listening to, they referenced how one of the mistakes that rebuilding teams and one of the mistakes front offices make is they get tied to homegrown guys and they get tied to guys that they traded for. And if they're just fine enough, if they if they look at them as just fine enough, they don't move on from them. And that ends up dooming them because then their team kind of stagnates. Like the, the improvements that they make may be just like two to three win increments. Like, and, and that's that's the kind of like, that's where you get stuck at. And the Pistons, after four years of not really making any real progress, I'd argue taking a big step back, obviously, this year. They need to be looking to upgrade every spot. So I think to answer the question completely, those four guys, maybe Stu, and I think Fontecchio and I think Grimes are fighting to show that they will be the best option this offseason through free agency and trades to be on this team moving forward. At their, whether it's, it's them as the fifth guy or the sixth guy in the rotation, seventh guy in the rotation, eighth, eighth guy in the rotation, ninth, tenth, um, the Pistons should be looking to upgrade at each spot. At the sixth guy in your rotation, at the seventh guy in your rotation, at the eighth guy in your rotation. If they can make small improvements from the guys they have right now at each one of those positions, they'll be a much better team next year. Like that's how they should be attacking this offseason. And again, I, I, let me make this clear because I know some people are going to twist this around. I'm not saying you should move on from Fontecchio. I'm not saying you have to get rid of him or you shouldn't want to resign him. I'm not saying you shouldn't want to resign Grimes. Like those guys may be the best options. But it shouldn't, you shouldn't just be locked into that. That shouldn't just be the, the foregone conclusion. Look around. If you can find an upgrade, if there's an upgrade in free agency, if there's an upgrade in trades, you do that. Even if it's just a minute upgrade, those minute upgrades at your 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th guy in the rotation spots, 
end up mattering pretty big, as we've seen. The Pistons went out and got Muscala and Gallinari and instantly all of a sudden turned into a team that could shoot threes and could space the floor and not have clogged lanes simply by adding them for Isaiah Livers and Marvin Bagley. Like they didn't go from those guys to superstars. They made minute increment improvements with those two players and it made a world of difference at their seventh, eighth guy spot. Like that's the same kind of kind of attitude and, and, and approach they should have this offseason. So I don't know who's going to remain. It's going to be an interesting offseason because I, if it was me, I'd be looking to improve over everyone besides my core four guys. I'd be trying – I may bring them back. I may end up bringing all three of those other guys back, but that doesn't mean I, I won't spend the offseason trying to upgrade from each one of them. That, that's how I think the Pistons should be looking looking at it. Um, but let me know if you guys agree, disagree, in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. When we come back, I, I want to talk about my favorite Chauncey Billups memory. He's a finalist for the Hall of Fame. I hope he gets in. He should get in, finalist MVP really underrated. We've talked about Chauncey on the podcast before. I think if he played in today's era, he would be just an absolute elite monster. I think he already was that. He just wasn't the things he did during his time with the Pistons. They weren't appreciated at that time in that era of basketball, whereas they 100% would be completely appreciated in this era and maybe even more juiced, obviously. So, but anyways, I want to talk about my favorite Chauncey Billups memories. Um, and I want to hear from you guys. What's your guys' favorite Chauncey Billups memories um, when we come back? Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. I've told you guys this. Many, many times. A few years ago when Michigan became, or betting became legal in Michigan, I should say, I didn't know what to do. I was new to it, obviously. I, I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't know what app to go to. I went to FanDuel, and I have not turned back since. I use it to this day. I was just using it yesterday. Maybe I shouldn't have. I lost, you know, let's not talk about it. But I use it all the time still. It's incredibly fun, incredibly self-explanatory. For anyone who is scared uh, of, of, you know, entering this, entering sports books or entering this field and you think it's going to be intimidating i promise you FanDuel makes it incredibly easy and self-explanatory for you and it's an extremely fun app to use so visit fanduel.com slash locked on shoot your shot wisely let's be responsible with it but visit fanduel.com slash locked on to shoot that shot that's what FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the nba So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons to your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So I think you guys are going to have like way better memories of Chauncey than me. Actually, not think. I know for a fact. Because when I name my memories of them, my favorite memories, a lot of you guys are going to be, I'm going to get hit with the same thing I always get hit with. Oh, man, you're really young, huh? You didn't get to watch them. You really missed out. I feel bad for you. You need to go watch some tape. You need to go watch some YouTube videos. Like, I, I get it. I can already see it all coming, okay? I understand. You don't have to, like, let's not flood my comments and my DMs with it again. Like, I, I get it. I'm young. I didn't get to watch the, the Pistons going to work team from start to finish. Like, I, I didn't get to. But still, I want to hear from what you guys think is, what you guys have as your best memories of Chauncey Billups. Again, the reason why we're doing this is because he's a finalist for the Hall of Fame, and I hope he does. 
I hope he does make it. He's a finals MVP. He was tremendous. One of the best shooters during his era. I think he'd be one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. I think his, his ability to draw free throws, his ability to shoot threes, the volume at which he shot threes compared to his era. If he played in today's era, adjust to the pace and adjust to the volume of threes that get shot up now. I think he probably would get up like eight to nine threes a game. I think he'd get to the free throw line even more. I think he'd be a 20 plus per game scorer easily every single season. I think he'd be one of the best players in the NBA. I, I think Chauncey was freaking amazing. And that's not even talking about the fact that he was able to play defense at a pretty high level at his position. He was able to post up smaller guards. He was just a, a complete, just, he was a monster. Chauncey I, it does not get talked about enough because the whole idea around of the, the going to work team having no superstar and they didn't have no stars. They just had five really good players. I've said this before. That's cap. That's a complete lie. They did have stars. They just had five guys that were willing to take a step back and play for a team and sacrifice stats. That doesn't mean they didn't have stars. Ben Wallace was a star. Chauncey Billups was a star. Those guys are stars. I like that. That narrative hurts guys like Ben and it hurts guys like Chauncey. I don't like it. I know a lot of Pistons fans do because it's a good, you know, oh, we win with team, no I in team kind of thing. And I just don't agree with it at all. I think Ben was clearly a star. I think Chauncey is clearly a star. They just sacrificed personal stats for a team to win games. And it worked. That doesn't mean they weren't stars. Um, but either way, I, I kind of got off on a little tangent there. Uh, my favorite memories of Chauncey Billups. So I, I have two, I have two favorite memories. You guys are gonna kill me for this. This I just want you guys to understand again that like I was not. Like when Chauncey got traded, actually three memories then. My number one memory will be when he got traded. I was in fifth grade. Um, I had just moved back to Michigan. I, I had lived in Tennessee for like a year, went the, went to like fourth grade there. Um, but I had just moved back to Michigan, and I just got off of school. I was getting off the buses before I had a phone. I didn't have a phone or anything, um, and there wasn't really like social media like that for real. Um, so it wasn't like I was getting updates at school or something at school told me or a teacher. Like it just wasn't talked about. So I get off the bus. And as I'm walking home, I, I had to walk down this road. It wasn't too long of a road, but you can see my house. I was walking down the road, and standing at the end of the driveway was uh, my my half sister's father sitting at the at the end of the at the end of my driveway, or not sitting. He was standing there, and he looked down and he screamed down to me. He was like, "Chauncey just got traded," and I didn't believe. I thought he was just messing with me. So as I got closer, he was like, "Who? Chauncey for real just got traded? He's gone." And instantly, for some reason, as like, I think I was like 10 or 11, like instantly tears just start going down my eyes. Like instantly, I just start crying. I just started crying. I ran inside. I was like, bro, no way. And when I saw he was traded to the Denver Nuggets, I just cried. I was like, no way they just trade Chauncey. I can't believe it. Um, and, and so that's my number one memory is that I cried when he got traded. I was a kid. Kid Koo started crying. Um, definitely a terrible time. Obviously, I think that was the beginning of the end for the Pistons um, as they've never been able to recover since that trade, <laughs> quite literally. Um, but yeah, that's my number one memory of Chauncey. Um, second best memory, a more positive one. Um, a more positive, I guess maybe not even a positive one for the Pistons. Um, my positive one is later that year, um, I had never been to a Pistons game. I had never been to any sporting game before. Um, and my aunt for my birthday got me tickets to go see Chauncey play against the Pistons in Denver. I didn't know she... She surprised me in the middle of a car ride, and she just took me to a game. Um, I believe it was like December 11th because on my—I don't believe it was on my birthday. It might have been like the day after my birthday, so I think it was December 11th game in 2009. I believe it was. Um, so we get there, and 
I'm sitting there. I'm. I can't wait to see Chauncey. And I, I, I. At this time, I thought everyone was gonna boo him. I, I didn't know. Like, I had never been to a game before. I didn't know how like this stuff went. Uh, and when they announced him, I, I, actually, I don't want to say they played the fire or let the fire go. Cause I don't think they did. But by the way, I, I have a very crazy memory of the fire. Like the fire scared the hell out of me that game. I, it was so hot. Like I felt it at the palace, and it scared the hell out of me. I didn't see it coming. But anyways, when they announced Chauncey's name. Everyone stood up and it was loud as ever cheering him on. And if I, my memory serves correct, every time he touched the ball, I felt like everyone was cheering for him. So he played for the Nuggets. He didn't play, play for the Pistons no more. This was his first game back in the Palace. And he was getting cheered nonstop throughout the night. And I thought that was always like, I, I, that's something I always will remember as being super cool. Um, as my first game, ever going to a Pistons game, ever going to an NBA game. Um, Chauncey coming back to Detroit, one of my favorite players growing up. Um, so sad that he left. And then when he come back to see everyone just, you know, embrace him and give him the standing ovation and, and cheer for him, even with him on the other team, the Pistons won that game, by the way, I believe, I believe Carmelo took a pull up midi at the free throw line um, with a chance to win the game and missed. And they knocked the ball around the time right now. I believe that's how I ended. One of you guys could probably fact check me, but I'm almost hundred percent sure that's how that game ended. Good game. Pistons won. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's probably like my, my number one positive memory of Chauncey. Um, I don't have like strong memories outside of like highlights and stuff that was played on the broadcast of like his time prime wise with, with the Pistons. Like it's hard. It's like, I, it's very, I have very faint memories of them winning the championship. I have faint memories of them losing to the Spurs a little bit. I like, I, I don't have much memory of that kind of stuff. The, the, the longest, the, like the farthest back memory I have that I can cite, like me, exact, I knew exactly where I was. I remember watching it. I, like, like the farthest I can go back with that is when they lost to the, the Cavs in the conference finals and Booby Gibson went crazy on them. I remember I cried during that too. Um, I was thinking I was like 10 years old, nine years old in, in Tennessee. So I, that's like the farthest it goes. So that's why my memories of Toronto, my favorite memories start there. And then I guess my second memory I, I'll use, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. Is when Chauncey signed back with the Pistons in like 2000, I think it was 13 or 14. I remember I lost it. I went, I was so crazy. I think I was like a 10th grader or a 9th grader. And I was so, I was so excited. I was like, oh, Mr. Big Shot's back. He's coming back. And this is when the Pistons looked, thought they were going to like take another step. I, I think they had just got Josh Smith in this time too. Like Andre, it looked like Andre Drummond was going to be a star. It looked like he was going to be a GOAT. Like Greg Monroe looked like he was going to be a monster. Like this is when there was a lot of positivity around the team. And then they brought back Chauncey. And there was positivity, at least for me. I thought the team was going to be good that year. I thought Johnson was going to lead them back. And I remember, I think one of the first games he had, he threw like a behind-the-back pass to Andre. And I was like, oh, my God, this dude's going to be a monster. I can't wait believe he's back. I also think in his first game, he had a clutch three at the top of the key. Chauncey did a pull-up uh, three at the top of the key in his first game back with the Pistons. So that, that's one of my other memories. But sadly, again, I don't have the memories everyone else probably does of his prime years with the Pistons. Um, but even still, I still appreciate him, and, and I still think he'd be a monster now. I definitely think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I, even if they're just faint memories, those faint memories of winning championship and getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, like those faint memories still are good enough for someone like me who was a kid at that time and didn't really understand everything. It still was enough because everyone knew who Mr. Big Shot was, not just NBA fans or basketball fans. My cousin, who I was really close with when I was younger, hates sports. He knew who Mr. Big Shot was. Talked about him all the time. When he got traded, it was a big deal. Like, everyone in Michigan knew who Mr. Big Shot was, whether you're a sports fan or not. So I hope he gets in. Um, and I'm, I think, I'm thankful for all the memories he gave to 
kid coup and even teenage coup when he came back to the Pistons. Um, especially the fact that he was able to be a part of like my first ever Pistons game on the other team. And see, I think it was super cool. So um, those are my mem- my favorite memories of Chauncey Billups. You guys got to let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. What's your guys' favorite memories um, of Chauncey Billups with the Detroit Pistons? Heck, maybe it's for some reason, I don't know if one of you guys may feel this way, but maybe you guys have a favorite memory of Chauncey off the Pistons. I don't know. Let me know what you guys' favorite memory of his. Again, in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Read available on your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review whenever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Till next time, peace out.